This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. TL Talk Radio, Season 6, Episode 38. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 38 of TL Talk Radio. I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton. And I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. Today we're speaking with Armand Doucette, who recently co-wrote a report with Deborah Nedelicki, Kuhn Timmers, and Jim Toscano, entitled Thinking About Pedagogy in an Unfolding Pandemic, an Independent Report on Approaches to Distance Learning During COVID-19 School Closures. Armand is one of the world's foremost academics and teachers in education. He's a sought-after leader, inspirational speaker, coach, columnist, and co-author of the best-selling book, Teaching in the Fourth Industrial Revolution, Standing at the Precipice. Armand currently teaches modern history and world issues in French immersion at Riverview High School in the Anglophone East School District in New Brunswick, Canada. You may recall we interviewed Armand earlier this season to discuss his most recent publication, Teaching Life, and in season four to discuss his earlier publications. So welcome back to the show, Armand. Thank you for having me. Yeah, our pleasure. So let's get our conversation started with a personal story about how you became interested in really thinking about pedagogy, specifically now um, as we are experiencing this global pandemic of COVID-19. I think on the pedagogy side, it's always been interesting to me. I mean, the, the latest book, the second one, that's exactly what it was all about. It was looking at um, how do we do, how do we practice our craft in, in the classroom today, based off all the different things that are happening in our classroom in the digital age. So it, it's a very um, uh, normal to be thinking about it, I guess, in this situation as well, and how do we approach it. And many of the elements that we talk about in teaching life very much align with how to do distance learning as well and blended learning. Um, so it, it was a natural process, uh, very much David Edwards from education international came over and said, Armin, uh, we want you to take a look at the global structure, uh, and see what you're seeing from the front lines with your teacher colleagues and networks. And, and that's where we got it from is that we crowdsourced the information. And then from there, um, we also used our best practices and our different networks that we had to make sure that what we came up with was a report that was uh, very robust. So give our audience members a brief overview of the paper. What are the key components and what you were trying to share? Um, so the, the first thing is, is that uh, obviously we are in a pandemic. Uh, so education needs to face that uh, first and foremost. And uh, being in a pandemic, it means 1.6 billion students around the world are now out of school which is almost 92% of the world's children are now out of school at the moment. Uh, so that means that it, we're now doing things drastically different. Uh, 
but what does that mean for each different context? And we talked a bit about it, and I think in the last podcast was that each context is vastly different. And that also means that teaching in this pandemic is also vastly different. So is learning, so is education. So I'll give you a couple of different contexts uh, we talk about. Well, you could be in the, in the thick of it uh, and people are dying around you. Uh, it's a bit chaotic. And I call it, and, and formal education is really the last thing that anybody wants to be doing at that point. Mm-hmm. However, it does add a continuity, a routine, and so on. So you need to be approaching it in a different way than if you are in an area that's practicing physical distancing or social distancing, but at the same time, uh, there isn't any real cases at the moment, or it's, it's a bit vastly different. So those two different contexts will make it for a different type of education setting at that point. Uh, we've looked at what the school actually plays as, as a, a physical structure, but also as a social structure for the communities. So if you look through the report, uh, one of the main things that we talk about is that school is the hub of many of our communities around the world. And those band-aids that we've been putting on our communities uh, throughout the last 10, 15, 20 years, we're now finally seeing, you know, how much was actually dumped on the school's doorsteps, right? So all these social programs that cover the basic needs. So we approach it from a Maslow before Bloom. And we talk about basic needs need to be taken care of before we can move on to some formal education or formal learning, let's say. Um, So that's the second thing that really comes out in our report is basic needs first before more structured learning. Then the third thing is, is that once you get into structured learning, well, then we need to take a look at how does that proceed? And it's vastly different than just taking what you did at school and then putting it into online and then going from there. And I'll give you a reason why. When we talk about the different contexts, well, every single family has a different context. And let's say there's a family of three with three different children, but you only have one laptop at home. So if you only have one laptop at home and you decide as a school district to go, okay, everybody goes with the same bell schedule, it's not going to work, right? And and we've noticed with removing that school structure that the equity gap is massive. And, you know, you have all sorts of different contexts that are on that continuum, but the equity gap for the most part is massive across the world. You have some systems that were able to flip very quickly because they have a lot of social programs that are already connected to it uh, or that they already have social programs within their governance, Uh, But then you have other ones that don't have any social programs at all. And and this is basically ripped that completely apart. You know, you have 85% of your people that don't have access to bandwidth. You know, chances are you're not going to be able to do online learning. So that equity gap is going to keep growing as we go. So that's something that we mention a lot about is that how do you approach that, that distance learning is very important. And I say distance learning and not online learning because we're going to see, we, we've seen television, we've seen radio, we've seen sending packages at home. Uh, there's all sorts of different ways to approach it. And then from that, in the report, we have also approached online learning because online learning is definitely a massive component to it for a lot of people. So we've approached it from a blended learning perspective. And we've also approached it from you have synchronous or asynchronous learning that can happen. So how do you do that is the next step. We then talk about scheduling and communication. So how do you communicate with parents? 
And putting yourself in their shoes is absolutely key and making sure you have a communication feedback loop is extremely important. And the main reasons for that is because if you're putting something forward, but it's just not working for your parents or for your students. And I say parents because at the elementary school level, it's very much parents that are facilitating this for the most part. Uh, but then as you go up, they're more independent learners. So that's definitely something that you want to think about. So in terms of communication structure, are you sending 70 emails a day? Are you sending, uh, you know, three or four different platforms within a school that is in elementary and then that, that they need to access, right? These are the types of things that you really need to think about. You know, simplify the communication process, make it once a week, maybe have a talk as a district, you know, because you have multiple families that have multiple kids in different schools to make sure that parents know, you know what, it's coming at Sunday night, seven o'clock. We're going to get the three things that we need. The three schools are going to send us an email. That's the schedule for this week. Then we can start planning, right? You got to give people some a chance because a lot of people are working from home. Some of them need to balance out who's going to have the online learning when you might have to go get some different resources. So I've seen some jurisdictions that would just send out an email and say, here are the resources. You should try to do these things. Well, then it's a scavenger hunt for parents, right? You're going to get a lot of frustration coming back. Um, and while you're doing that and you're sending these lists, you also have to understand that if COVID hits, if you're in an area that hasn't hit or if COVID is hitting, then you also have to have a lot of flexibility. Like rig rigor is an illusion at this point uh, in my mind. Uh, so it's something that we put in the report and we talked about assessment and how assessment goes about that. And then we gave a ton of resources. So oh, you mentioned Armand, that it's important to focus on Maslow first. Tell us a little bit more about that and what that looks like for our teachers and families in this digital learning environment. Uh, so I would start off with basic needs. Uh, I know oftentimes we talk about bandwidth because you want to be thinking about continuing education, but I would, I would go one step further first and it's basic needs. Uh, and, you know, teachers in the communication structure are first responders or should be within the communication structure of a government. So chief medical officer uh, decides this is what we're doing. Uh, government decides they disseminate that. But the problem with that is that that goes through news media most of the times or through emails. We all know that in major hubs and major urban areas, you have multiple languages that happen there. So teachers as first responders should be really communicating what's happening so that physical distancing can happen in the context is that they do. Globally, that's not the case everywhere. So that's something that can happen. While you're communicating and you're a first responder in that situation, you can also get basic facts back. So, uh, you know, do you have enough food? Do you have the resources? Do you have soap? Uh, do you need mental health uh, uh, help? Do you need guidance? Whatever you need, you're asking those questions so you can bring that information back. Uh, and then we address those. So meal plans, you know, there's a lot of schools that are doing uh, pickup meal plans uh, on the side of the road. They partner up with food programs. Uh, it could be resources. So soaps, uh, toothbrush, that kind of stuff so that they have access to it. It could be phone numbers to be able to call the mental health hotline. Uh, and then there's so much more that comes into play there. But it's very much those basic needs are taken care of. In, in areas where governments have strong social uh, fabric, uh, there's already some setups there. Uh, it, it, but in, in areas where they don't, 
this is vastly new to a lot of people. So you got to create partnerships on the fly and figure it out and go from there. I mean, if you're looking at bandwidth, which is, I would say the next step, because if you want to make sure the equity gap don't, doesn't go too wide and you want to continue some sort of formal learning, then that's one of the ways you can do it. Uh, they, there's been buses that have been repurposed into uh, community, uh, connection hubs, right? So that you can go download what you need and come back. Problem is that, you know, there's a place in South, South Carolina, one of the jurisdiction, it's a 700 kilometer radius. Mm. So, you know, if you can't afford bandwidth, can you really afford gas to be able to drive to that area? So, you know, there's some things that are out there that might work, but there's others that might not, right? So that's what we mean by basic needs. It's very much taking care of people first and foremost. And that goes also to how you address communication. So when you're calling people up, you need to be very mindful of the fact that they might be grieving in some way, shape or form. Uh, maybe grandma's passed away. Uh, maybe the parents are frontline workers. Uh, you know, maybe they're struggling with special needs, who knows? So as you're communicating with the households, you need to be aware of this. And, and that's something that's drastically different than when we communicated in the past. Mm -hmm. So from reading the paper, made lots of connections to a lot of the work that we're doing here and the kinds of questions that we've been asking as we've been trying to navigate these, these uncertain times. So from a leadership perspective, have you gotten any feedback from leaders who found particularly valuable pieces of the paper or were in your writing of it, were there certain things that you were focusing at those who are, who are leading this work that, that you provide some rich nuggets for? Yeah, I think everybody was sort of thirsty for for information, uh, and there was a big blitz for uh, professional development as quickly as possible. I think that's something that we've seen around the world. Uh, I'll talk about teacher leadership in particular, uh, because across the world, there was a lot of system leaders that either deer in the headlights or that have stuck with the rigors of the pressures of standardized testing, even though those are gone, because that's all they know. Uh, I'm hearing some real horrible stories in certain areas where, you know, teachers are working from 5 a.m. to 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, taking phone calls, uh, sending out reports, so on and so forth. And, you know, keeping this illusion of a rigor that's completely ridiculous in, in these times. Uh, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have rigor. I'm saying that the illusion of formal education for all in this in these times is completely blown out of the water. Um, teacher leadership has been the one that we've really seen has been uh, quite incredible. There's been a mass drive for professional development and capacity. Uh, there's been a, an incredible amount of sharing happening across the world uh, of best practice and really opening up uh, their best practices to others and wanting to share and creating videos to help. I think we almost have a, a, a resource overload in many ways, a resource fatigue. Um, you know, you have all these technology companies that are opening up their resources and giving you professional developments and everything. But at the end of the day, the technology needs to fit the pedagogy, not the other way around. So the first thing we should be thinking about and something we talk a lot about in our book is the pedagogy and uh, what you want the learning to be based off the feedback that you're getting from the families, right? It's, it's intertwined together. And then the systems that are doing that really well, there's a massive trust between 
the system leadership, the teacher leadership and the community to have these discussions. Uh, you are, you know, you're stepping into conversations with uh, assuming positive intent instead of trying to regulate and trying to dictate and trying to uh, manage uh, because the reality is, is that's what's needed at this point. So the best systems, I think there's that real trust, real drive for professional capacity and real wanting to help in the worst systems. Um, it looks like a autocratic checklist. Thinking about checklists, I'm connecting to grading and assessment and thinking about a really important topic for teachers in, in your paper and the idea of assessment. Can you give us a couple of sort of the big ideas from that section? And you have a lot of resources, maybe highlight what's in that section too for our listeners to go take a look. Yeah, so we have a lot of resources there in terms of how you can do online assessment um, formally, uh, so summative and uh, informative assessment. Uh, it, it, for me in this situation, K to 12, it's simple. It needs to be formative assessment with feedback. Uh, it's about the learning, not about the grading. So we talk a lot about, and we've had this discussion on your podcast before, I'm very much a believer in talent development, not sorting and grading. So the authenticity of the assessment is being questioned around the world at the moment, particularly for those are memorizers. So, you know, just spew out the facts. Well, how do I make sure that they're not cheating because they have Google. If that's what your fear is, we've got issues, right? Because that's not about learning. That's just about copy pasting, right? And it's not about critical thinking of what's going on with that information that you want them to go take a look at. So for us, it was very much a, this is the time to rethink standardized testing, to rethink what is authentic assessment. And to rethink our systems as a whole, uh, you know, in, we've had this conversation in the U.S. where standardized testing causes such a pressure on the system. And now it's been removed in pretty much every state. They said, yeah, we'll pluck it out. This is the time mm -hmm. to test things out to see how you can reach the whole child. And it shouldn't be about rigorous summative assessments. It should be about the authenticity of the assessment based off what you're asking people to do. Uh, so we talk a lot about assessment throughout the paper and, and it's very much about taking a look at, if you really want to teach the whole child, then this is the time to start looking at, okay, how, do you, how should we be doing that in full circle? So despite the unprecedented times and the uh, challenge of uh, pivoting very quickly oftentimes, it could be a good opportunity for us if we harness it to interject some of these more learner-centered practices into, into our work with, with learners. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is, right? It's, uh, uh, it's like Fernando said on a, a discussion we had, I hate using the word opportunity because people are dying all over the place, but the reality is, is this is a time that you could do two things. You can, you can worry about the now, and only that, and stress yourself out for trying to keep that rigor of what formal education would be. Or you could take a look at it and say, okay, and if I'm looking at system leaders, I would have a part of my team that's working on the now, making sure that we bridge the gaps and do whatever we can for basic needs and trying to get everybody to, do, to be able to do the same type of distance learning. I mean, 
I meaning in terms of the approach. Uh, so is it going to be online? Uh, then let's get the bandwidth, let's get them hardware, whatever. But I would also have a team that's looking at, okay, we're going to have probably three waves of this. It's going to be the now, the dance, or wave two. But wave two is not just going to be wave two. It'll probably be wave two, wave three, you know, till we get. And then vaccination. So what do we need now? What do we need to be able to do what we need to do to be able to continue the learning for our children? It's not going to improve vastly right now. There's no question there. People don't have the time. Teachers are parents. Teachers are, are, are struggling as well, right? Uh, they're trying to do professional development just for the capacity to be able to do the technology piece and to be able to design for distance learning. So that right now is only going to get as good as it can. However, for the dance, you should be taking a look at, okay, what's the professional development and capacity? What do we need if we're going to have continuing stoppages during this dance? And how do we address that? So I would have a team that would take a look at, okay, what's the learning learning management system that we're using for high schoolers? Can we have some professional development there? Uh, do we need help with designing the learning experience? Professional development there. Okay, social programs. We had you know 15% of our people that didn't have access to hardware. What are we gonna do going forward? Those are the visionary pieces to really get your, your systems and your, your schools and your classrooms going forward. And then I would take a look at, okay, vaccination's coming. How do we teach to the whole child? This is what the profile has been. This is what we're saying we're doing. Okay, we, we have the pressurized of standardized testing, but let's be realistic now. Universities are going to struggle if standardized <laughs> testing is the only approach to how you're going to decide who's coming in. And it's gonna be a struggle for the next two years. So if that's the case, maybe we can start pivoting to authenticity of assessment and portfolios and some true interviews and really getting it moving forward. But that would also pivot the classroom. This is the time to do it in many ways, but it's also the hardest time to do it, right? There's no question about that. But if you look at when, um, when, when true leadership came out is through usually really rough times in people's lives or in, in rough situations, we had visionaries that could see ahead see what the obstacles were going to be, and then get teams working towards it to make sure that we could move forward. So don't let the boat sink, but make sure that you're also working on something that can make the boat go quicker uh, down the line. Great conversation today, Armand, and uh, appreciate your voice and the ideas that you put forth in, with your colleagues in the paper and, and sharing those with us today. So we wrap up each podcast with a couple of rapid response questions. So the first question is, who's one expert that you would suggest our listeners connect with to learn more about teaching and learning in a distance learning environment? Uh, Kuhn Timmers. He's probably the best at blended learning in the world. And he's one of your co-authors on your first book, I think, and also on the paper. Yeah, he, he does uh, distance learning for refugee camps, has created a curriculum for it, uh, and has been doing this for almost 10, 15 years now. All right. So listeners connect with Kuhn. Uh, if you were recommending one book to our listeners, what would it be? Uh, at the moment? Sure. Uh, any kid's book that would put their kids to sleep. 
All right. Excellent <laughs> divergent answer there. Uh, what online site or resource or person do you learn from regularly? How do you keep on top of all this? You know, we had a pre a pre podcast conversation about how busy you are. Um, how do you keep learning? Uh, I try to surround myself with um, the best minds that I can in every sector, and I read what they put out. Uh, and I also read a ton of research and listen to podcasts when I'm training. It's it's a thirst for knowledge, um, with the understanding that I will never be an expert in any of those fields, but I can still try to understand it and, and to try to be able to connect those different fields together. Uh, that's the way that I go about it. And I have some mentors. I've got some really good mentors that have been really good with me and with their time, uh, and uh, their understanding that I'm going to ask a ton of questions. So it's been good. Perpetual Great. inquirer. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. All right. Last question for you, Armand, what are you working on now or what's next that you would like to share with our listeners? Uh, so I can share uh, three things at the moment. We're working on a teacher leadership report on uh, how do teachers lead us through uh, COVID-19 and, and the aftermath of it. So very much the now, uh, the dance and the vaccination. So we're working on a report that should be out by, I think, mid next week, maybe the end of next, uh, maybe the end of next week. So that's something that we're working on. Great. Uh, I'm working on a children's book called Finding Hope. Uh, and it's the story of five children from around the world during COVID-19 uh, with a bit of help from a teacher and how they move forward and start uh, uh, becoming uh, key, com key community contributors through this uh, while trying to keep hope for children around the world. So that's actually a children's book that we're writing uh, with uh, a couple of friends from around the world that we're, we'll be publishing probably by the end of the next week as well. Um, and then apart from that, working on a uber secret, possible professional development, virtual, global uh, teacher conference. So that's that's not out yet. We're not sure if it's going to work yet, but we're working on it. Uber secret. That sounds good. And people heard it here first. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today, Armand. To learn more about Armand's work, our listeners can check out the links in the show notes. Uh, we link to previous episodes um, as well as other resources Armand has created and or contributed to. Each episode, we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking reflection and conversation. This episode's question, how might you use the ideas in today's conversation to reflect on your transition to distance learning? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, Visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season six, episode 38. That's all for this episode. We'll be back next week with another conversation featuring other innovative thought leaders. Thanks again, Armand. Thank you. Bye-bye. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, 
and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.